Welcome to the Lair of Secrets podcast, the podcast about gaming and being a geek by two 40-something geek dads. I'm Ken Newquist, and I've I've entered into the long, dark tea time of the soul, otherwise known as November. And I am David Moore. Uh, and something in the weird fossil room must have gotten in me, because uh, uh, my allergies have been really acting up for the last couple of weeks. Um, and we haven't really recorded in the last couple of weeks, so luckily all you guys out there uh didn't have to hear that although i might cough every so often so hopefully not um so what has been happening with you ken since we have not been able to meet for the last few weeks well there was this mass space-time disruption that rocked through the lair and uh you know threw us into the chamber of infinite darkness otherwise known as daylight saving time uh, which i yeah. hate <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> Uh, I hate I hate the ending of daylight saving time. I, I really, honestly, me personally, I wish they would just just pick one and stick with it because, as as I've heard described before, it's uh, it's it's like we, as a nation, decide to inflict jet lag on ourselves for uh, you know a couple of weeks until everybody adjusts. Yeah. What? what so here? Sorry, go ahead. I, I was going to say was uh, what's interesting is is uh, I moved to Indiana uh, two years ago, which was uh, up until that point they did not the majority of Indiana did not adhere to daylight savings time. And then uh, shortly before I moved here, they decided to institute daylight savings time so that they'd be with the rest of the country. And uh, I, I wish they didn't. <laughs> and the state of Indiana has regretted it ever since. Yes. Here in Pennsylvania, the practical effect of this effect of this is that it is pitch black at 6 a.m. Um, and it's not much lighter than that at 5 p.m. So for me, getting up in the morning has just become this pitched battle. I mean, never mind exercise. Like just just getting up at six in the pitch black is just so hard. Yes. Um, and then like after work, you know, I, I just like today I had conference calls pretty much throughout the day. You finally get done. You get go to look out the window, and it's just dark. It's dark again. So yep, yeah. So the motivation is is it's hard to get out and and do it, and so. It's, I got to say, I think it, it, it really, for the last week, it's just kind of taken the wind out of my sails. Never mind like the, the drama with the elections or what have you, which has its own kind of mental tax, um, just figuring out how to get up in the morning. So uh, my solutions for this are coffee, mm -hmm. which you don't want to be over reliant on coffee. I'm trying to be good and only have like a cup, cup and a half in the morning of caffeinated. Um, and then trying to motivate myself with listening to additional podcasts and then maybe sun lamps. We were talking with a friend, Natalie, and, you know, she had just gotten some sun lamps. And so mm -hmm. that might work. You know, this is a, it's a thing my wife and I've talked about her long dark tea time at the soul is usually February, which is kind of near the end of it's the height of winter here. Like usually when yeah. we get the snow, that's usually when mother nature kind of pulls one on you where it's like, Ooh, it's going to be 50 for a day. Go plant. Ah, <laughs> here's six inches of snow. Yeah. Hey, February is the worst for me, you know, like in terms of like, it should be over, but it's just going to hang on for a, at least another month. And, and it's just, I'm just ready to be done with it at that point. So I've, I've never a fan of cold. So for me, it's usually, I mean, I've noticed this, I was thinking about it this week because I'm trying to figure out how to break out of my funk and, um, you know, you think by your mid forties, you would have figured this out, but Hey, yeah. we learn th things every week. Right. But it's yeah. like, I think, you know, though, this it's hardest for me here. Cause I usually just kind of slack off going into December and I don't exercise that much. And then in January, not really related to new year's resolutions. It's just like, I get to this point where I'm like, Nope, I got to do it. And then I'm out running in 15 degree weather and feeling great. Mm -hmm. uh, so 
today I decided I went, I'd go for a run. I haven't gone for a run in like two weeks. So got up this morning, went for a walk, listened to some podcasts. I have to admit after the sun came up because I just couldn't get out of bed at six. <laughs> I hear you. Uh, and then I went for a run under the stars. So that was kind of cool. That's it's just cool. The, the, the biggest challenge of running at night is I'm trying, I realize this, I have to figure out where all of the streetlights are because you can't see the freaking potholes. Oh no. <laughs> and I do not need to break another ankle. Uh, no. Trying to stay fit running in the dark. So, you know, I'm, I'm slowly beginning to like plot out my course. I did a three mile run. And so I just started kind of like tightening my loop to figure out where the, where the light was. So we'll see, hopefully this will help and I can get back to my, my regular routine. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, I mean, yeah, I have the same thing. Like I always have, um, it's a little bit easier where we are. Cause we're, we're right at the edge of Eastern time. Um, so on the other end, so at, in the evening at like six 30 or so, it's still a little bit light out. Um, but it's still horrible. <laughs> like, I, <laughs> Like, it is. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I lived in Malaysia for a year and uh, it's nearer the equator um, than any place in the United States, I believe. And so like uh, even and even the and and it's not even the lack of light per se. It's the combination of of lack of light and cold for at least for me, because in Malaysia, you know, it's mid 70s to mid 80s most of the year round and when uh, it was my senior year of high school that i lived there so uh because of the location of the school and where we lived i had to get up at 5 30 in the morning to get the bus to go to school which was awful but it was still less awful than trying to wake up and go to work at like say 7 or 7 30 because we don't need to commute anymore um and it's dark out it's like no i wait for the sun you know uh it's cold and i'm just gonna wait for the sun you know so yeah i i'd like to try the the lights i've tried them before but that was before the explosion of leds um mm. and so they were all like the daylight bulbs were always super super expensive and now they're really cheap so maybe now's the time for me to try them again so uh my daughter has a wake up to the sun alarm clock sort of thing where you set the you set the alarm and about 15 minutes before the alarm goes off the light starts really dim and orange and then eventually becomes super super bright about the time the the thing goes off she makes it to the bus every day so maybe it works um <laughs> but then again my son has one and know. it does not for him <laughs> right right i think it i think teenagers can learn to ignore anything if it if it's yes. that or sleep sleep wins yes yes exactly so uh let's see what else so uh stellar cartography ventured over to there uh not staffed by whales i'm reasonably sure um but uh, I've been playing the heck out of Stellaris, which is a 4X galactic empire, explore the galaxy and do fun stuff, uh, you know, meet strange new civilizations and go to war with them. Uh, it, it reminds me a lot of Master of Orion, uh, yep. for those of you who remember your classic, classic 4X game. Uh, um, we had so many people. I have to... we, had, we, had, we had several friends 
come over to our apartment because we had a copy of Master of Orion, and we'd be like, hey, hey, uh, one of our friends was named Dave. Uh, hey, Dave, uh, we're all going to bed. It's like, okay, see ya. <laughs> tap, 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 tap. Yeah, so it, it's devoured a fair amount of time, uh, maybe sapped a little bit more of my exercise motivation, but it's it's really fun. Um, it definitely scratches that particular itch. I played a lot of Civ 6, and I needed a break from Civ 6. It also keeps crashing on my Mac, so that has Ouch. also crimped my uh, Civ time. Um, the diplomacy is a little lacking, and the end game gets really complex in terms of, like, you just have all of these freaking worlds that need to be maintained, and it's just kind of like you start ignoring them at some point. Yeah. Um, but it's got really cool little stories embedded in it, which are really fun like just short little science fiction stories that it's like oh that's cool i I really like exploring the galaxy just to trigger those kinds of things yeah um it has really great visuals um like a a a soundtrack that's kind of like mass effect and you know it's good i haven't played mass effect but i've heard it's pretty good like soundtrack especially yeah and um it's got dlc that will probably address most of my complaints i just need to wait for a steam sale to buy them that'd be cool (laughs) Yeah. And uh, so that, that's been eating up a tremendous amount of time. And then over in the game room, because every good lair needs a game room, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, several. My gaming, several, <laughs> yes. So we should just have endless expanses of game rooms, right? Well, there, this is the tabletop game, the card game. Tabletop, card, collectible card, um, you know, role playing, you know, several role playing rooms. Based programmable on genre. smart better labyrinth. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Would that be great, right? Like you just instead of having Dwarven Forge, just programmable smart matter where you just lay I, down the map and I it am just grows a- into. I am actually uh, well, that would actually be cooler than what I'm what I'm actually doing in real life, which is uh, uh, building a coffee table because uh, we need a new coffee table for our our living room. But I'm planning on getting an inexpensive TV and a Chromecast. Ooh, I think I know where you're going with this. And so it's kind of like the big expensive gaming tables for that you would normally get, but it's coffee table size, so you can pull the top off and put miniatures and stuff in it. But I'm also planning on having a TV under a under like a, a thick plexiglass screen um and then be able to have something like a Roll20 or something else like that underneath it so that people can just look down and see the map. Ooh. So that'd be pretty cool. That sounds that sounds really cool. My my <laughs> house does not have space for such things, but uh, that would really be fantastic. Yeah. So in my game room, uh, my little corner of the uh, of the lair of secrets, um, my gaming group has ended our uh, five year old fifth edition D anD D campaign. Started off as a fifth edition playtest, ran for five years, got to nineteenth level. Uh, pretty wow. epic. Yeah. Awesome story kind of exhausting <laughs> the dm's ready for a break it wasn't my campaign i played in it um and and my gaming group i mean we've been together for almost 25 years and we have a tendency to run really long campaigns like this so right. we're all just thinking about the next thing and like taking a break and and kind of mixing it up and looking for new things so uh we can't we we've also come up with our, our pattern right now is we typical run typically run alternating campaigns so every other week there's a different campaign so the first one's going to be a savage worlds powered ring world campaign so our characters are native of uh, natives of a like larry niven style ring world that was struck by some sort of like 
large object that punctured the side of the ring world, smashed into the other side of the ring world. And our character, this was like 150 years ago in the war, in the campaign setting. And so our characters know this has happened. They've traveled to the impact site and they're trying to figure out, okay, well, the wing, ring world is broken. How can we fix it? Hmm. Okay. And so that's kind of the, that's the hook. Like we know that the ring, the ring world is unstable in some way. And do we have to go out into the large galaxy? Who knows? But we're smart people from various civilizations on the ring and we're trying to figure out how to solve it. So cool. we struggled to kind of come up with what the actual hook was because we needed to figure out like, okay, we have this concept, but what's actually going to drive it forward. And so we decided, okay, well, end of the world's usually a pretty good motivating factor. So, yeah, yeah, that's a good, that's a good driver. <laughs> The yeah, classic. So, <laughs> yeah. So I mean I think the biggest challenge we we're facing, we have one player who wants to do uh like include like high concept science fiction ideas into the campaign, like the nature of technology, the nature of humanity, transhumanism, like all of these really cool ideas. Mm -hmm. And the the challenge I think we have as a group is that our foundation is is fantasy. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, Tolkien, Dungeons and Dragons, we've been doing this for twenty five years. Uh Star Wars, right? We're all pretty fluid in Star Wars, maybe fair amount of us are pretty good with Star Trek. But once you start getting into hardcore science fiction, our experience is so widely varied. Right. And so really trying to figure out how to pull all of our divergent experiences into something that could be an actual science fiction campaign where, where people are kind of getting the references and we're actually able to build stuff, I think is it's going to be a challenge. Yeah. And now is this, is this we'll one GM? Is this one GM or multiple GMs? I think it's going to be multiple GMs. We have one okay. GM who's going to start it. He had pitched the original idea. And um, we've talked about like other GMs being able to pick it up. I mean, the nature of the ring world setting, I think, is going to lend itself to being able to have multiple GMs. And one of the kind of goals for this campaign, or one of the impetus for it, was doing a lot of world building. Uh -huh. So, you know, it's not quite a hex crawl, although I think there might be some hex crawlish ideas in there like you know okay here's our central area let's explore out maybe the hex crawl will take out to the galaxy and it becomes like a sector crawl but i think the ideas of exploration plus world building right like mm -hmm. you have your background you tell us where you're from and now you build out that part of the ring world how'd you get here yeah. don't know tell us the story cool or, yeah, and you know, and with oh, different, I encountered this on the journey here. That kind of stuff. Yeah, and with different GMs, you can have different tones of the adventure. With the the main thread is being the same characters are are throughout the campaign, but you could have a hex crawl like, you know, hex crawl slash dungeon crawl sort of set of adventures, and then a new GM takes over, and suddenly you're you're out in the expanse, sort of thing. You right. Know? Um, that sort of stuff. So it sounds like sounds like a cool idea. Yeah, it should be interesting. We haven't played Savage Worlds in a while. We're playing the Savage Worlds Adventure Edition, which is the latest version of Savage Worlds. Cool. Uh, I backed the Kickstarter like I don't know what two years ago. <laughs> I finally get to use my books. <laughs> I've I have uh, only played Savage Worlds I think once, um, a long time ago. Uh, but it's it's I I I know from other people that it's a, a really good system. So it sounds like a good system for Ringworld personally. So. I think it's going to be great. I think it's going to be, it has that kind of, the greatest thing about Savage Worlds, it has this exploding dice mechanic that just usually causes exceptional things to happen. Uh -huh. And so that's fun because you never know when the dice are just going to kind of take you in a direction that you never expected. You just yep. have to be cool with that. Yeah. Like you have to be able to accept chaos is just built into the DNA of the game. And it plays pretty fast. I mean, that's what's claim to fame is that it's, you know, fast, fun, furious. So cool. 
Yeah. I love Savage Worlds. I can't wait to play it. It's going to be great. Our other game, because we have to always have to seem to have to keep one foot in fantasy, and I'm not complaining, is uh, Dungeons & Dragons. Uh, it's cool. going to be a new first-level campaign. We're going to take advantage of Tasha's Cauldron of Everything, which is coming out in a couple of weeks. Okay. Um, which is going to introduce some new options for how to build out your characters, right? So you don't have to have your standard racial dwarven background that says you're good with stone and have a long beard. If you want to be the dwarf acrobat from The Hobbit, you can totally do that, right? So, or at least that's my understanding of it. So Got we're going to wait till that book comes out. And then the idea of the campaign is kind of the opposite of what we did before, which is not <laughs> in any way a criticism of the previous campaign, but instead of epic storyline stretching over years, it's going to be focused on like really short dungeon crawly, like one shot location encounters, right? So the idea mm -hmm. is that we'll play it in a single session or maybe two sessions, but it's not going to go on much longer than that. And then you'll move on to the next thing. Um, so less yep. story, more discovery. We have two kind of discovery oriented campaigns, so we'll see if we get sick of it. But <laughs> but it's a you know, well, I mean, it's, it's a, a different, cleanser. Yeah, it's a different. It's a palate cleanser. It's also it's a different different meal that you can have. Right. It sounds cool. It sounds a little bit like my what my Sunday game is supposed to be when it when it does happen, which we'll talk about later. We'll do like an adventure, a dungeon, you know, every couple of sessions. You know, sometimes it'll take more than one session to do a dungeon, but then like we're if we're not in a dungeon, it's like one session and then we're back in a dungeon. <laughs> so right. at least it has been so far in the limited number of games that we've been able to actually play. <laughs> Right, and so the, the plus side to this campaign is I think, again, we're going to be able to tag in additional DMs if we want to. I mean, I love sketching out dungeons. I love stocking dungeons. It's it's very relaxing to me. So cool. uh, I'm I'm totally up for running something. But if the standard DM wants to do it, I'm also totally cool with being a player. Like, as a lifelong GM, it is super cool when you can actually sit. I know I'm probably preaching to the choir here. It's awesome yep. when you can play. Yep. Yep. There have been times who's a player in your group. <laughs> yeah. Well, there have been times in uh in my in my gaming career, shall we say, where I was not a good player because I wanted to GM. And so there were times when I was like, I'd have made a different decision there, or I don't think this is how that works, or whatever, you know. And and it was mm -hmm. a time when, you know, like now. I I really like playing. I'm okay with GMing, but I really like playing, and I think that's what's getting me back into gaming more than GMing is at the moment. I seem to be a better player now than I had been in the distant past. So this it, it has been a long time since I've actually just sit down and just played. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, we can work on that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so how's it been going? Pretty good. Well, I'll start. I'll start with my gaming stuff since we were just on the topic, which is my gaming woes update. Maybe we'll make it a regular sec segment. No, I'm <laughs> just kidding. No, we're not going to make the it a regular segment. chamber of gaming woes. Yes, uh, actually, that maybe we do have that. Uh, or the anguish screams of dungeon masters <laughs> as their games don't quite go where they want them to. <laughs> yes, my Sunday group did just meet last Sunday, which was good. We're fighting. In a in a dungeon, uh, you know, like I just said, we're we're going through, you know, kind of a, a, a kind of dungeon a week sort of thing, and it just seems to be that's the way that this group works right now. I think as we game more regularly, it'll expand from that because, uh, like, the idea right now, the campaign idea is is we are tasked with 
going to one shrine and pick something up and then we have to deliver it to another shrine. But we have to get to the first shrine in the first place. But we've been waylaid and we are now in a dungeon. Um, I won't go into too much more detail because that'll take... Uh, I, I'll <laughs> go into too much more detail is what, I was, what I'm going to say. But um, we're fighting... Um, what is it? Not the Tanari, not the Batezu. What's the... They're the Yugoloth, the Loths, or whatever they're called. The, they're, okay. you, the, so, so there's like I think I know which the demons and the devils, which had, the ones in between, right? which had they're in third listening. edition gotten changed to Tanari and Batezu because all the all the religious yes. fervor that had gone on about D anD. Um, but then there were the Yugoloths that are the neutral versions of evil, because um, evidently every 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 single alignment on that, you know, <laughs> what is it the the alignment grid. The alignment the, grid. Yeah, I was trying to think of the TV show it reminded me of. Uh, the Brady Bunch grid. Brady Bunch. Yeah. <laughs> Brady Bunch of alignments. <laughs> the Brady Bunch of alignments. Uh, you know, I think Alice is on the bottom. Um, so the Alice <laughs> of of the of evil uh, is um, <laughs> it, we're fighting those. And like the first time they showed up uh, game before last, I'm like, he doesn't realize how weak we are because we're fifth level and there and we have these other these extra planar things showing up and we we beat them and we're not too bad off but then then this last time he threw more powerful ones against us and we beat them but we didn't do quite so much and we still have the rest of the dungeon to get through and so he's he has given us a um an a pseudo ally um to that we're not sure if he's gonna if it's gonna backstab us uh later on probably will um but uh uh to survive but yeah that's um <clears throat> it'll be interesting to see if we make it so i'm 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 every time we go and play i'm expecting a total party kill <laughs> so because <laughs> some of these things are hitting for more hit points than i have so <laughs> that is that is very uh that's very dangerous and that's one of the you know one of the things about savage worlds or you probably don't know because you don't play it is there are no challenge ratings right so right the expectation in the rules is if you encounter something worse like more powerful than you it is a legitimate strategy to run away and yeah, it can okay. be very hard for players who are not schooled in that to get it through their heads that no the terrible demon from beyond all imagining cannot be beat by second level characters <laughs> got it got it yeah so i'm used to uh uh a similar system called uh hollow earth expeditions oh yes similar to savage worlds and in that it is perfectly legitimate to punch a t-rex in the face so you know <laughs> because you know you're heroes um right if, so yeah, back when I was running the, the the game master show, when we actually played, we played Hollow Earth Expedition, and one of our Sean, uh, his goal, as you know, as a player and character, was to punch a T Rex in the face. <laughs> I will say the beautiful thing about Savage Worlds is that you can actually pull that off. Like you can, mm -hmm. because dice explode. You can get so lucky that you like almost can kill God. Right, because <laughs> the dice just didn't stop exploding. It is rare, 
But it Got is it. possible, and it usually happens to your well-crafted, well-storied NPC. Right, right. The one who's supposed to get away <laughs> and recur several times. Yeah, he dead. Yeah, <laughs> he's, yeah he's very dead. dead. <laughs> yeah. The game that you and I play, um, Brindlewood Bay, um, we have come to realize that it's not the game for us. It's It's a fun game, but given the time that we play it, you know, it's like 9 p.m. For, for the majority of us. And then one player is just getting off of work uh, in a different time zone. And so we're all kind of tired and wiped out and not ready to be impromptu actors who are solving <laughs> mysteries. And like kind of making up the mystery and the plot and the solution at the same time. <laughs> yeah, right, right. You know, I think uh, in an earlier episode, I said I, I really liked the concept of Brindlewood Bay because I didn't have to plan ahead of time very much because, you know, the, the players would drive all of that. And, and I came to realize that, no, I did because I had to play the multitude of NPCs that you all meet to drive that side of the, of the story. And, uh, you know, and I was not uh, I was not doing that very well. And so we've all kind of decided to start a new game um, and we're trying to figure that out. Um, it seems like it's going to be a more lighthearted hearted game, but uh, we're going to later this week, we're going to talk through that, and figure that out and then figure out if I'm going to run it or Ken, you'll run it or maybe we'll have different GMs during the time. So all those options are on the table. Indeed. Last thing is uh, in my on my gaming table in the in the the gaming room, uh, moving to the RPG room or staying in the RPG room uh, is Mythic D six, uh, their Terra Oblivion book. Uh, I just got recently. I had kickstarted it. It is by Michael Fiegel, uh, Kieran Turley, and Jerry Grayson. Mike Fiegel, if I pronounce your last name wrong, I'm sorry because I actually know you, and I can never remember <laughs> if it's Fiegel or Feigl. And you, I will buy you a drink or whatever you want uh, if I have gotten it wrong. I really love the concept of it. It's a pre-apocalyptic game of, uh, as, as it describes itself, a pre-apocalyptic game of eco-espionage on a world slowly being killed by humanity's need to consume. Wow. Talk about high concept. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, like... Uh, the idea that, you know, corporations and such have, have ruined Earth. Uh, you know, people went to the stars and they colonized this new planet. And they found out that there's all these life forms on this planet that give off this energy. And so they start effectively mining. it. Um, and then they find out, oh, wait, the whole planet is alive and it's all connected. And if we keep doing this, the entire planet is going to die. And some people are like, well, not my problem. I'll be dead by then. Or I, I can leave, you know, um, kind of the same problems that we have here. Um, and then there's a group of people that are like, no, we need to stop this because one, we need to live here. But two, it's not right that we kill another living being, or these other living beings. And there's superpowers and stuff in it. They have something called uh, prana powers that you have the ability to get in touch not only with yourself, but with the planet itself. And, uh, and there's varying levels of it. 
and uh, it seems pretty cool. It's based on the Mythic D6 system. Uh, the main, I don't know if the main book is required to play. I think everything's in this, the book itself. But the Mythic D6 system is is pretty good system as well. I've I've run it before uh, as a supers game. It's it's one of those more generic type systems that can be molded into different genres. So is is Mythic D6 descended from the D6? Yes. Of old like West End games and what have you. Yes, uh, but with some significant improvements. Um, so in like in West End games D six, you'd roll a giant pool of dice, you know, and you'd add those numbers up. Um, and it's like <laughs> right. if you got, you know, if it's if it if you got five or better um, on your total of dice, you know, that was a, a, a very easy. If you got a ten or better, that's a easy. If you got fifteen or better, that's a moderate. Like if you got over a thirty, that's a heroic, and that's kind of where the the top end tops out. Well, if you're running like something like a supers game and you have huge dice pools, you could routinely get over thirty in Star Wars in in like Star Wars D six or or any of the other West End games D six uh, ones. Mythic kind of changes that. You still have the big dice pools, but you have uh, a number of successes. So there's a there's a target number per die you need to hit. I believe it's normally a four or better, and you are trying to get a certain number of successes on dice. Uh, plus your your dice pool stops at ten dice, um, and for every die you have, you would have more uh, above that ten. There's just automatic successes that that you get given. Okay. And then, uh, and then you still have a wild die, so you can still explode in terms of okay. you know, how you can, how many uh, successes you get. It's 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 a it's a good evolution of the original D six system because uh, I have seen the D six system in in the game that that Aaron, my wife, plays, um, Sparks, uh, which is Star Wars West End Games D six, running at conventions for more than twenty years with the same characters. When you get high character point characters in that system <laughs> the system just breaks it right now it is november uh getting off of gaming uh we're in nanorimo um i am not doing very well at all i think i'm at like 550 words and we're already a third of the way through november so i don't think <laughs> i'm getting there and it's totally my fault like i'm not prioritizing it my allergies really knocked me on my butt for a good week. Um, I basically could do just what I needed to do, not anything extra. I'm hoping to do a little bit of catch up, but I don't think I'm hitting 50,000 words by the 30th. But I am participating in uh, the indie NaNoWriMo scene and trying to keep my motivation up and just keep writing. And then writing related, uh, I'm turning some more pens. Uh, I am up to eight pens now, so I've got, Ken can see them, but <laughs> I've got, these are my latest two, there's a, a Cocobolo one, and then the other one, the lighter colored one, is actually the Shagbark Hickory, which is a piece of the same tree that my desk is made of. Um, I have a pen that matches my desk, because I had some leftover and decided, well, it's a hardwood, I can turn that into a pen, let's see how it goes. It's it's a lot of fun because I can start a pen and go from if I want to do it in one whole sitting, which I usually don't, but 
but if I do it in one whole sitting, I can take a pen from just the kit to completed in an hour. Um, usually what I'll do is I'll break that into two half hour chunks, but, uh, but it's nice being able to go into my shop and do something and then have a tangible finished product when I'm done. Cause that's not normal for me. <laughs> I do a lot of projects that I start and never finish. So these are like good, small wins for me. So I, I like that a lot. I can certainly appreciate that. It's good for the brain. Yeah. It's nice to have these wins, right? Like that's one of the reasons why I do my summer reading list is because you finish that book and it's that little win, right? Like, yeah, that's true. That's true. I had control over finishing this book and I actually finished it. <laughs> I mean, I didn't finish my summer reading list because, you know, life, but. Right. And you kept adding to your summer reading list too. So I that's... did keep adding to my summer reading list. So, you know, I'll get, I'll, I'll, my goal is to finish it before December. I only have two books left. Cool. Um, cool. But in any case, yes, having, I, I wholeheartedly support small projects that you can actually get done in a reasonable amount of time. I think it's, it's, it's good all around. It puts, helps put you in a good headspace. Gotcha. Yeah. Let me, uh, I, I'd like to take us back to the game room for a little bit which is something that's bothered me for a few years now. Well, not the whole time because I wasn't gaming for a while. And, but it's like back when this is kind of like our, basically our main topic for those of you who haven't caught up on that um, because I didn't really <laughs> introduce it well. So, but uh, Google Plus, when it was still a thing, uh, was a really, gr had a really great, game development community on it that wasn't like some secret forum somewhere um and it wasn't super toxic like some some places on some forums get once it shut down and uh the game master show ended and i kind of dropped out of the gaming scene for a while with only like a little bit of touching on twitter every so often like i don't know where all that discussion's gone you know is that still happening? I'm I'm sure it is somewhere, but I don't know where. Twitter can keep me in contact with some of the game designers and game companies that I like, but you can't have a conversation on Twitter. You know, you can start one, you can have a couple of back and forths, but then the Twitter stream moves on and, you know, finding that conversation again is nigh impossible. Right. So I, I do listen to some podcasts. I'm not a big fan of actual play podcasts. Um, there's there's one or two that I will listen to occasionally, but um, uh, but those aren't talking about like playing and running games or developing games or things like that. And like one that I do listen to is Daydreaming about about dragons, which I think I might have mentioned before from Judd Carlman. That one has really good insight into playing and running games, but it's not a conversation there either. Um, you know, so like we, I can listen and consume, but I want to be a part of that conversation. You know, I can, I can email the podcast, but it's also a really slow if they happen to respond to my email, either via email or in the podcast. That's not really a conversation either. You know, it's a very, very slow one, if it is. Um, yes. <laughs> it's like the uh, Pony Express, right? Like, right. I have delivered my letter, and in three months, I shall get a reply. Right. Which is why people used to write really long letters, 
multiple page letters, <laughs> but we don't do that anymore. You know, if you had a, a, a one page email, you know, if you would, if you would write an email that would print out on a single page of paper, that's a really long email. <laughs> right. <laughs> so no one's going to read that. So I don't know. Do you, do you have places you go to, to talk about games or game design or anything else like that? No, honestly, I mean, I, I think I've been suffering from the same problem. I think, I mean, I think we both kind of had a similar trajectory in that, you know, with the early rise of podcasting, like the actual dawn of podcasting, there was a great podcasting community and I talked mm -hmm. about it with podcasters, right? Yep. Um, there were podcasts I would listen to and I'm thinking it was the round table, right? Was, um, well, so the my, podcast that I originally got into was Dragon's Landing. Uh, Dragon's then, Landing was great. But then, and, and they were the ones that inspired me to create after Serenity, and then later the Game Master Show. Um, but then, uh, but the round table is where I met a decent amount of people like you, um, the the folks from the old Secret Lair, which we're now right. inhabiting the ruins of. <laughs> so yeah, I think the round table was, was one of them. Oh shoot, what is it? Um, All Games Considered was another one. Oh, All Games Considered. Fantastic. Yeah, so Memory Lane is, is littered yeah. with all of these fantastic podcasts where I would just listen to podcasts. Um, and so I guess it was, a, it, was a, it, was a, it was an exciting time, right? And so we were all talking to one another. We were talking and then we were listening to each other's podcasts. And so yeah. then you might show up on that person's podcast. And so there were different ways to have conversation. And, and back in the day, like when my Greyhawk campaign was like really full bore and we were meeting every week and like the epic Black Razor storylines were happening. Uh, you know, I was a big part of Grey Talk, right? So Grey mm -hmm. Talk was a listserv dedicated to the world of Greyhawk. And I'd go to Gen Con and I would meet people at Gen Con who I knew from Grey Talk, right? right. And, like we're wearing right. our campaign t shirts. They're like, Ken Nuquist, oh, cool. And like, you know, start <laughs> talking about Grey Talk and all these cool things. Although that was focused more on Greyhawk and the nuances of it, still you got into these cool conversations about like what ifs and right and how right. people's campaigns were going and and that kind of stuff. And so then life gets busy. You have kids. You stop podcasting. Things pod fade. And so I don't I don't know. I mean I, I agree with you. Google Plus, um, which may have been not great in other ways, was fantastic for role playing games. There were mm -hmm. any number of these awesome little niche communities that were really like well-behaved with reasonable people <laughs> yeah. who can agree to disagree um, and, and not tolerant of trolls. I mean, I'm not saying this in a way that like they would put up with the bad stuff. It was just the bad stuff didn't seem to happen because everybody was there with good intentions. Right. Right. And yeah. I mean, there was another, uh, it does remind me that there was a, uh, a group that I was not a part of, but a lot of our podcast compatriots were, which was the forge. And the, yes, and that is where a lot of things like rain and fate and uh, a bunch of the story games came out of that particular community. But but Google Plus was very much uh, it was kind of a softer version of the Forge um, and more podcaster accessible, you know, because we yes. could talk about podcasting and things like that miss google plus which is weird for some people <laughs> which, yeah which gives rise to like this whole thing right so i guess i mean how now like kind of keeping up with it like i've been listening to the dungeon masters block i think they do a good job of like talking about different topics um there's a uh, the world 1d4 plus two i think podcast where they were talking in different topics there's a couple that i got into and then they kind of 
when I got into my summer reading list, I stopped reading. And if I had prepared better for this episode, <laughs> um, but don't worry, we're going to do a follow-up and everybody reports back on all the cool things we should be listening to and participating in. Um, so there are shows out there. I've been still listening to Fear the Boot. Uh, it's been around forever. I think they're on like episode 900 or something like that because they just keep it. going. <laughs> yeah, I... And they're good about talking about, you know, the kind of like meta questions we like to get into. They can get really, really into it. Um, do they... So... When I listened to them, they were kind of the shock jock of gaming podcasts. <laughs> um, and so I did not listen to them for very long, like maybe half a year, maybe a little longer before it was like, eh, this is not the podcast I want. I, I have so many podcasts that I want to listen to. I, I, I found myself skipping, like like letting episodes pile up. And then finally I'm like, yeah, I'm not. I'm not catching up, or I'm not j- going to jump for. I just, it just wasn't for me. Like, did they have they changed over the years? Obviously, they're still here. But yeah, so I mean, I think there there might still be some of that. Like, you know, though, you know, I think that you know, occasionally people will, uh, you know, roll a grenade into the room, and you know, things will blow up in interesting ways. <laughs> um, but I think it's all good natured, uh, and okay. I think they they do a, a pretty good job of staying on topic. Like they'll have like their podcasts used to get ridiculously long. I think maybe yes. they occasionally still do that, but I don't know. I mean, I'm trying to remember back to the early days of the podcast, and, I, and I've also I've kind of done the same thing. Like I'll listen to it consistently for six months, then I'll take a break for six months, and then I'll periodically come back to it. But that is one that I have come back to because they do talk about some of the things that we've talked about. And I just I find it interesting, like this whole. You know, they talk about team building and you talk about storming and norming and like all that stuff, right? Well, that's kind of like what you do when you're doing it, when you're trying to figure out what game you're going to play. Mm-hmm. And I like hearing other people's opinions, even if I disagree with them, about right. how you get people to come up with these ideas. And so having those conversations are things that I really like. Um, I also, I, I, I still use Feedly. So Feedly okay. is kind of like a successor to Google Reader. Google mm-hmm. Reader is another thing that like Google Reader used to be my touchstone for the entirety of the blogging community. Yes. Um, and when Google killed Reader, Google killed all of the things we love. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, they did. I mean, because only we loved them. <laughs> I actually heard uh, Cory Doctorow yesterday was on a uh, was was at a conference and it was a virtual conference. So I was able to attend and listen to him. Um, Google has had two successful uh, products. What was it? Uh, ser- basically, search and a moderately successful. Um, how did he put it? A moderately successful Hotmail clone <laughs> <laughs> were the two major products that they that they have published that they've built. Um, every other product that Google has, they've bought. Hmm. And so Feedly was one of those. Feed, the feed, they bought Feedly and integrated it. And then they're like, we're not making money from it, so we're going to ditch it. Um, gotcha. I'm not sure about Google+. Plus. Google+, Plus might have been uh, Google+, Plus and Google Wave. I don't know if you even oh, remember yeah, that one. We had... <laughs> Wave was great. We tried to run a role-playing game through Wave. It was <laughs> so weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Actually, there's a lot of co- pieces from Google Wave that are in things like slack and te- and microsoft teams now oh yeah i totally agree i think wave it was just you could get lost in wave yes yeah there was <laughs> there were so many good ideas and bad ideas thrown together um and they didn't know what was what and they couldn't 
figure out how to slim them down and make them make money off of it as well, probably. But uh, yeah, so so yeah, I I remember I remember Google Reader. I was a big big fan of Google Reader. Uh, when it died, I found Tiny Tiny RSS. So Feedly okay. Feedly I think is a paid version for of an RSS reader. Uh, Tiny Tiny yes. RSS is open source and you but you have to host it yourself. So um so I have it hosted in fact my hosting provider was sending me nasty emails cuz my cron job kept failing <laughs> cuz they had updated my PHP without without me knowing and it just uh and so it was like hey we can't run this. It's like oh crap. I have to go find out how that that's the problem with hosting your own stuff. You have to fix it yourself too. So Yes. Yeah. Yes, this is very true. Yeah, I think I think Feedly is free up to uh, like a hundred feeds, and I, oh, I haven't okay. quite hit that limit yet. Got it. And I I will also say I've kind of fell, fallen out of the habit of checking it, but I mm-hmm. go periodically on these quests for conversation, and I'll just I'll go read other people's blogs and try and post. Yeah, um, but I'm with you. Like I don't know where the conversation has gone. I'm sure it's out there, but finding finding good conversation that doesn't turn toxic or doesn't get into all of these other issues that are interesting and perhaps important, but like they can just completely overwhelm like the more niche conversations of how do I get my group to rally around an idea as I launch my new campaign. Right. 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 You know, or yeah. Or, or yeah. Answering very specific questions or, you know, like Google plus with the way that it was work would work or that community worked, I should say, not necessarily the way Google plus worked, but like you would have, people that would help that particular question, you know, and that would spin off one thing, but that might also spin off of like, well, let's talk about the meta of that. And, and how do we do that as like, you know, how do, how do we handle that a situation, no matter what group it is sort of thing, or, or, you know, uh, and there were a lot of things that came out of that sort of discussion. Uh, Metatopia just happened recently. um, And unfortunately, uh, again, due to work and allergies, I was not actually able to attend most of the virtual sessions for Metatopia, but I I know a lot of the design discussions will go on with that particular group because um, it's Metatopia is a uh, it's a it's a convention that is specifically for like discussing and playtesting new games and and bringing games into being able to publish new games or develop them. So you're not going to go to Metatopia and find a and d game. Having never been there, maybe you could, but it will not be the <laughs> D&D that you're familiar with. So it'll be some weird take or hack on it um, that is basically a game in and of itself, you know, or, or maybe it's a setting that they're using the D&D rules for. And as part of that game, they're going like, so D&D doesn't quite work for this setting how can I make my own rule set? Or is there a rule set that would work for this setting? From what I have heard, there's a lot of cool conversations that happen at Metatopia. But again, that's not accessible unless you go to the con. Right. You know, and today, this year was virtual, but it's only for one weekend. Places like Google Plus or whatever was year-round consumed whenever you decided to consume it. Right. And I want to find someplace like that again. 
I would say I would create that place and I would love to create that place, but I also know me that I have too many things to do and I would not maintain it. So I would like someone else to create that place and I will come and visit. So if you have that place, let us know. You should please. let us know about that place and yes. we will stop by your place. <laughs> yes, please, please. We will totally stop by and drink your soda and, uh, you know, eat all your Fritos and uh, have some pizza and talk about games. Yep. Um, we'll, we'll bring pizza and soda afterwards. And, we'll bring pizza and soda and stuff too. I have no problem. Yeah, true. With we will totally stuff. bring stuff to the party, but, uh, we'd really rather someone else host it. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a good metaphor. Yeah. It's like, I have a, I have a place that everybody can come and hang out with, but it's not the best place to come and hang out. So I'd rather find a different place to hang out. So I do have, I do have one last little quick little topic. Uh -huh. I was thinking about this today when I got out my dice. I'm starting two new campaigns. My tradition has always been when I start a new campaign, at least in our gaming group, I buy new dice. Okay. But we're playing virtually. So the question is, do I buy new dice? I, <laughs> I want to let our listeners play answer that. Yeah, I want to let yeah, our... So if you... <laughs> yeah, I mean, my own take is... Well, my, my, my question back to you is, are you going to be rolling real dice and telling and saying the numbers, or are you going to use things like roll 20 to roll the dice for you? I will totally be using fake dice and it will be in roll 20 because mm. that's how we do it. Maybe that is your new dice set, but, but I want new dice <laughs> <laughs> and it's an excuse for me to buy new dice. So I think I really want the answer to be no, Ken. You should buy new dice because someday the <laughs> pandemic will be over and you'll look back and go, oh, those are the dice that I didn't use in that campaign. Nice. <laughs> and I'll use them with some other campaign, but I won't because I'll have bought new dice for that campaign. But, you know, tell me yeah. what you think, guys. Should I buy my own? <laughs> should I buy dice for the new campaign or, you know, just roll virtual? I have my own, my own thoughts on it. Uh, I think you should buy new dice. But we want to hear that from everybody else. <laughs> Thank you for enabling my dice buying purchases. You're welcome. <laughs> but wait, wait for everybody else to to chime in on it before you actually buy new dice. Yes, yes, I think I might have to because <laughs> because so. I'm just your enabler. So yeah, that's totally true. If I buy new dice in the meantime, though, please don't hold it against me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I can resist temptation. That just means I have to edit the show faster so that right, you don't you go. have that much time. <laughs> before feedback speaking All right, of well, feedback, everybody yeah go so go go ahead take us okay. out uh everybody thank you for listening uh if you have feedback we definitely love feedback uh but if we don't actually i have in my notes we don't have an email we do have an email it's a uh, podcast at um uh my brain sorry uh it's podcast at layer of secrets.com and uh so and you can also listen or go to uh layerofsecrets.com and leave feedback on the post for this episode as well um you can leave your topic ideas uh or your own thoughts of what we talked about and we'll we'll comment on that too uh in in upcoming episodes so again i've been david moore and i've been ken newquist and thanks for joining us <laughs> <laughs>